as many holidays are, Father's Day is complicated for some people. You probably have read some studies and research that say that more people commit suicide during the Christmas and Thanksgiving season than any other period of the year. Now, for many of us, those are holidays that we celebrate and gather together with family, but because of the lack of connection that some people have to their families, they spiral downward into depression and discouragement, and Father's Day can be that way for some people. Now, I don't know if you are a social media person. I spend all my spare time praying and fasting. So I don't have as much time to look at things the way that some of you pagans do. But I have seen throughout this weekend people posting pictures of their fathers and their grandfathers, their fathers-in-law, and they're thanking God for the best ever. And I'm so thankful for these memories. And, and we rejoice for every son and daughter who has those sorts of memories. But I'm also aware that there are people who don't that there are people who really never had any sort of relationship with their father if they knew him at all. And then there are plenty of people who do have uh, at least a connection to their fathers, but their fathers were cold and distant, aloof, maybe uninvolved. And so Father's Day is difficult for them. I have a friend that what, what brought this thought to my mind, I talked with a friend last week. And she said, uh, my husband and I don't go to church on Father's Day because it's so hard for me. She grew up in an abusive family and watched her father abuse her mother and, uh, and then abused her and her brothers. So she said, it's just really difficult for me. And so while many of us celebrate the earthly dads that we have, what I want to spend some time thinking about today is that those of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior have a perfect heavenly Father. And He not one time ever has failed to be the type of Father that we desire and need. And so I want us to look together today at a familiar passage from Romans chapter 8. If you have your Bibles and you want to follow along with me, I'm going to read from Romans chapter 8, one of the great letters of the New Testament that Paul wrote. Now, some of the letters that Paul wrote, he wrote to people that he knew well. For example, the letter to the Philippians. Paul had been to that city of Philippi. As far as we know, uh, Paul was the very first person even to say the name Jesus Christ in the city of Philippi. And as he began teaching other people about the good news, a little church formed. Paul mentored them, equipped them, discipled them. And even as he left them and traveled to other parts of the world, they stayed in touch with him and he stayed in touch with them. It was a really strong bond. And so some of the letters that Paul wrote, he wrote to people that he knew well. But then there are some letters, like the letter to the Romans, that Paul wrote to people he had never met. You can read through this letter that Paul sent these words to them to introduce himself to them, to say, look, uh, you are a power church and, and all kinds of good things are happening there. And I hope to get over there to you. I want to minister to you and I want you to minister to me. But every time I've planned to get over there, there's been some sort of detour or, or I've been interrupted or I've been locked in prison. And so some of the letters that he wrote, he wrote to people that he did not yet know, including this one. However, 
He did know what they needed to hear under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And here's what Paul wrote, beginning in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if we indeed suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. I have three quick thoughts that I'd like to share over the next hour and a half or so before we go downstairs to eat about God as a perfect father. First, God loves us. Everything about the world is different because of our sin. Sin ruins everything. And all the way back in the very first book of the Bible, we have the record of Adam and Eve being placed in a perfect environment and God saying to them, enjoy everything in the garden except the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. That's the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so stay away from that one. And Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And ever since then, our world still was created by God, but it is not the way that God intended for us to be. Sin ruins everything, and that includes our connection to God. Because of our sin, we are alienated from God, and we are not not naturally God's children. Now, all of us are created by God, but not every person in the world is a child of God. Only those who have repented of their sins and turned in faith to Jesus are the children of God. And so here in this passage, what Paul says is that because of our sin, we we have no way to make ourselves right with God. In fact, what he says earlier in Romans chapter 3 is that people don't even really have a desire to make themselves right with God. They run from God. And so God did what we could not do by adopting us into his family. Now, there are several things about adoption that I want you to see. First, adoption comes at the initiative of the parents. No child can go to someone's home, knock on the door, and say, I belong to you now. I don't like the rules at my house, and so I'm coming here to live, and I expect you to take responsibility for me. I expect you to watch out for me. I belong to you now. No child can do that. Adoption has to come at the initiative of the parents. No child can say, I I am going to belong to you, but every family can say, you belong to us. And that's what God did for us. He reached out to us through the person of Jesus Christ when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, was buried, and rose again on the third day. And God said, I am reaching out so that you can belong to me. I'm taking the initiative so that I can be your father. Adoption comes at the initiative of the parents. It also comes from the desire of the parents. Every single adopted child is wanted. Now, if you talk with teachers, school administrators, and some others who work with children, they can speak with you about some heartbreaking situations of children that are ignored and neglected, children that are ridiculed and abused. And they're natural children, but they don't seem to be wanted. But every adopted child was chosen. Every adopted child was wanted even before they knew that they were wanted. And that's the way that we are with God. 
God wanted us before we ever even knew that he wanted us. He was reaching out to us before we even recognized his voice. And Paul here in this passage says that we, that we are God's sons. We no longer are under a spirit of slavery. We now belong to God because of his own desire. Do any of you do fantasy football during the National Football League season? Anybody do that? If you do, you know that you go through these uh, drafts where you choose the players that are going to be on your team and, and you start saying, well, I want this quarterback and I want this wide receiver, I want this running back and, and I want these players and, and you choose those who are the most valuable players first, and then eventually you start working your way down to, well, I just need to kind of fill out my roster, fill out my roster a little bit. We live in a meat grinder society where people are valued based on how they look or how much money they have or the status that they have in community. And sometimes people feel like they're at the very bottom of the draft but not with God. God wants all of us. God dearly loves us. Now, what I do for a living is travel and speak. I've just come back from Florida. It's where I got this incredible tan that you see. And so I've been in Florida all week, and I load up and go to different places. That's how I earn most of my money on the side. I do a little male modeling to pick up a little extra money every now and then. And so in my travels... I regularly hear some of the same music. It's astonishing. I, I, I can, uh, sometimes people will ask, sometimes the band at, at the place where I'm going to speak is going to, will ask, hey, what are you speaking on? We want to plan the music to go with the, with the um, messages. It's astonishing how regardless of what I'm preaching on, always seems to fit the most popular songs at the time. Just always happens that way. And so I was counting up, this has been several years ago, and I, I did a Disciple Now on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then I spoke at a college Monday and a college Tuesday. I did a Youth Wednesday event. I think it was off Thursday and then another Disciple Now on this Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I counted up during that time period that I was in 16 different worship services, and I heard this one particular song 14 different times. Does anybody remember the song Mighty to Save? Yes, that's it, that's it. I heard that song 14 different times. And so sometimes I, I consciously have to make sure that I don't just go through the motions. Oh, what a shock, we're singing this song again. And so I, I consciously don't sing and read the words because they, they sometimes can lose their impact. Does anyone remember this song? It's, it's a, more than a decade old now. That starts off, He is jealous for me. Loves like a hurricane. Something like a tree. Ben, something, anyway. The chorus goes, He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. I remember exactly where I was when I first heard that song. I was speaking at a youth retreat at Lake Teakata, 
and we were getting ready for the, for the evening service, and the musician came in, and he was loading some things in and getting the, the sound equipment up, and he said, hey, I'm, I'm going to do a brand new song. This was before the song really even had been released. He had just heard it at a worship conference, and he said, I'm going to do this, this new song tonight. And so, uh, you know, I, just tell me what you think about it. And so the, the piano and the keyboard and everybody started playing. And I was uh, standing on the side of the room. And I saw this one seventh grade boy who started, who started reading and singing the words, He is jealous for me, loved like a hurricane, something like a tree, whatever. And then when we got to that part about he loves us. The chorus just pounds that phrase. Oh, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. He loves us. And I saw that. Well, I don't know why he caught my eye, but I just saw him and he stopped singing and he just started looking at the words. And then before we finished the song, he sat down and he continued looking at the words and then he took his his face and he buried it in his hands and he was just sobbing over the fact that God really loves us. Sometimes earthly dads don't know how to express their love for their children. Some children may have never heard the words, I love you from their dad. Maybe they got a little, you know, rub on the head or something like that. God really loves us. He's a perfect father who loves us all the same. Well, the second thing that Paul mentions here in this passage is that not only does God love us, he also welcomes us. God not only loves us, he likes us. And Paul continued here in this passage, said, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, before God saved us, we might have called God, God. But now that he has saved us, we call him Father. In fact, Paul here picked up on something that Jesus said, and he took this concept one step further. And he said, we call God Daddy. That, that word Abba is an Aramaic word, and it's not the formal word Father it's the familiar term, daddy. Now, I would never presume what any person should call their fathers. But I never, until the day he died, I never called my daddy anything but daddy. I never grew out of, of using the, the word that I used when I was a, when I was a child because of the, the closeness of the relationship God welcomes us. He doesn't hold us at arm's length. He, he spreads his arms wide and says, come to us. Come to me. I am welcoming you here. My dad owned a restaurant before he passed away over on Highway 45 in West Point. If you are ever driving up 45 alternate, it is an incredible test of your faith. <laughs> Those traffic lights and the traffic backed up going through West Point will will be like James chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4. Consider it all joy when you uh, encounter various trials. <laughs> and so if you are driving through West Point and you see where the new Checkers is, that's where my dad's restaurant was. There was a Huddle House there before. Huddle House bought the lot from Daddy. But before he owned that restaurant, my dad 
was a delivery man for the Tom's Peanut Company. And he would travel to grocery stores, convenience stores, places where there were vending machines, and he would stock the, the machines and the shelves with candy and potato chips and things like that. And so during the summer, I was four or five years, maybe six, very, very young, I loved to ride with my dad on that delivery route. And so we would, we would drive. He, he had a truck similar to a UPS truck, except it was full of candy and chips and all those types of things. And so we would stop at a store, and my job was always to get the tub of bubble gum. And I would pick up the bubble gum, and would, would, Daddy would get all the snacks loaded up on the dolly, and then we would work our way inside the store. And then the owner of the store or the restaurant would, say, would see me coming in, and he would say, Don, who you, have you, who you got there with you today? My dad always gave the same answer. That's my right-hand man. I couldn't do this job without him. And so, as, a, as a, you know, a show of pride, I would stick out my chest. It stuck out now. I know you can't tell it. But I, I would stick out my chest and say, that's right. He, he, Daddy could not do this job without me. Now, I don't know how he did it during the school year when I wasn't able to carry in the bubble gum for him. But I loved riding on that truck. And the reason that I loved riding on that truck is he loved me riding on that truck. He welcomed me. He said, you come and be with me. And that's what God does for us. God doesn't simply say, okay, I saved you, but I really didn't want to do it, and you kind of bother me a little bit. God invites us to have a deep, intimate, flourishing relationship with Him. And sometimes because of the, the difficulty of that, or, or the, the hardness to believe of that truth, Paul had to remind, our, to remind us that because, because we, we may sometimes think that can't be true, verse 16 says, the Spirit continues to remind us. He himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. It's easy to believe in an angry God. It's easy to believe in a God that gets upset and wants to rain down lightning. It, it, it's easy to believe in a God who always has to be appeased. It's not easy to believe in a God who loves us and welcomes us. But that's who God is. Now, in, in no way do I want to diminish. I, I don't in any way mean to say that, that God isn't high and holy. When, when God speaks, the heavens shudder. His presence causes me's, men's knees to buckle. I don't in any way mean to diminish and bring God down to our level. He is God. But He does welcome us. He gives us a spirit of adoption and continues to remind us, you belong to me, you sit at my table. And so God loves us, and he welcomes us, and then third, God blesses us. Now, if the Lord simply were to say, Here, here's what the, the truth is, I am going to save you, I'm going to rescue you from your sins. I'm going to, to spare you from eternal judgment in hell. I'm going to save you from all of that. But don't ask me for anything else. 
I've given you an eternal blessing, and so, so that is enough. We would have enough reason every single... If, if the only thing that God did ever was to save us, we could gather in this building every single Sunday, and we could sing with exactly the same spirit of joy over the fact that God saved us if He never did anything else, but He does do something else. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23 say that every single morning when we awaken, God has new mercies waiting for us. This morning, when you, when you pried your eyes open at whatever time that was, 6.30, 7 o'clock, for some of you, 9.42, <laughs> whenever you awakened, God already had waiting Every single blessing you would need to get through this day. And tomorrow morning will be the exact same, and the next day will be the exact same. We are inherent, we are inheritors, heirs of all of the blessings that God desires to give. Look at what the Bible says here in, the, in verse 17. If we are children, then we are also heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. All the way through scripture, God communicated to his people, I want to bless you. I don't do it begrudgingly. I don't squeeze out. I don't squeeze out blessings like the last drops out of a lemon or an orange. I desire to bless you, and I desire to do it extravagantly. I'm going to pour blessings out on you. Psalm 81 verse 10 is an Old Testament verse which says if God is speaking to his people, he said, if you will open wide your mouths, I will fill them. God desires to fill our mouths more than we desire to open them. We are co-heirs with all of the eternal blessings that, we, that Jesus Christ has. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he says, and I intend for you to have them. God blesses us because he delights in giving to us. And even when we think about all of the ways that God blesses us, we still cannot fathom how good God is to us. Now, I've just come from the panhandle of Florida. Let's imagine that, that someone here decides that you're going to take a vacation and you're going to go down to Gulf Shores or Orange Beach, Alabama, maybe one of the Florida beaches, something like that, something right on the shores of the Gulf of Mexico. And imagine that you, that you decide you're going to take someone who's never seen the Gulf of Mexico before. And so you, you start thinking about, well, who could we take? We, we really want to take someone who's never seen the, the Gulf of Mexico. And so you take someone down to the Gulf of Mexico, and he or she stands on the beach and lets the waves wash up onto to the shore and, and roll over his or her feet. And you start explaining now the Gulf, the Gulf of Mexico is connected, you know, down to the Caribbean Sea, and that connects to the Atlantic Ocean, and, and you know, all the, all the water of the earth kind of connects together. And then say that that little boy or little girl comes home and starts telling people, I've seen all of the ocean. What do you mean you've seen all of the ocean? I stood there in Orange Beach, Alabama. And as I looked out, I saw all of this water. I've seen all of the water on the earth. 
you would say, no, you've seen some of it. But you've not seen all of it. You've experienced some of it. You splashed around out there. You swam away from the sharks. You bounced a beach ball. You did experience, and what you experienced was full-blown ocean. But that's nowhere near all of it. 70% of this earth's surface is covered by water. And even if somehow you could get in a plane or a helicopter and you could see, you could just make a journey all the way around the world, even if you could see the surface of all of the waters, you'd have no way of knowing how much water goes down to the depths. Marine biologists don't even know what's down at the bottom of the ocean. The pressure is too great. They don't, there may be fish swimming around there that nobody's ever seen. That's the way that we experience the loving, welcoming, blessing Father. Even, even when we are splashing around and say, this is amazing, it's still only part. Father's Day for a lot of people really is complicated, and I acknowledge that. I, I don't in any way want, want people to leave here saying, well, I have a good earthly father. What's, what's wrong with that? We all celebrate that. But I'm aware that there are men and women, boys and girls, who aren't close to their dads and wish that they were, who miss their dads and maybe have regrets over things that were unexpressed, and so what I want us to unite together today in thinking about is how our Heavenly Father is perfect in every single way. And He loves us, welcomes us, and blesses us. Now our music musicians are going to come and they're going to lead us in a closing song of commitment today. And I'd like to suggest some ways that you may want to respond to how God has worked through this message today. First... I always like to make sure that people understand that you can begin a relationship with God immediately. Our faith is the only one in the world where you can become a believer in a matter of seconds. In every other one, it's holding to the five pillars of truth or, or keeping to this pathway. In one split second of saying yes to Jesus people can become part of this family of God. And so maybe there are people who are here today and you never have received Jesus Christ as Savior. Father's Day is special to me, not, not because the event that I'm going to tell you happened on Father's Day, but right around the corner at Mount Vernon Baptist Church, my dad, as a 54-year-old man, walked right down to the front of the church building and I led him to the Lord. And so there could be people here today that would say, I would like to begin a relationship with God. And if so, in just a moment as we begin singing together, I'm going to be standing right over here at the front. I'd be glad to talk with you and pray with you. Maybe there are people who are here and maybe you're a dad or maybe you're a child of a father and you say, our relationship really isn't what I'd like it to be. And so would you just pray with me that, that I will have the courage to, to bring this up and say, hey, I really want us to have a stronger and deeper and better relationship. And so, so 
just pray with me that I'm able to do that. There may be other ways that God's Spirit is speaking to you. If so, I hope you'll be obedient to that. Let's all stand together. We're going to sing together, and I'll be here at the front if anyone needs prayer.